Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Law Talk Radio. This is your host, Nick Augustine. This show is brought to you by Law Publicist Communications, a full-service public relations agency headquartered downtown Chicago, Illinois, and serving greater Chicago, Denver, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C. Here at Law Publicist Communications, we put you on the map and keep people talking about you and your firm. We also offer consulting and coaching in traditional practice management areas, especially good for attorneys starting new law firms and those who find themselves in transition. Today's guest is Michael Halfand, and he has been a Chicago attorney since 1997 with a focus on trying to change the way people find attorneys and legal information. In 2001, 10 years ago, he launched Find Great Lawyers, and there's a website, findgreatlawyers.com, and it is a statewide network of like-minded attorneys who speak in plain English, and they only pursue legitimate cases and fight for their clients. Now, Mike recognized that a true unique uh, facts of the city should determine whether the right ha- whether who the right lawyer is for a case, and his network makes that a goal. He partners with statewide and have achieved unmatched success for their clients. So we want to wish them a, a ten happy 10-year anniversary. We do welcome our callers today. We have a great show, and we can take your questions uh, either directly by email at nick, N-I-C-K, at A-L-R-P-R-A dot com, or also by telephone directly at 917-889-9732, option one for the caller queue. Quick disclaimer before we get going, this is a general information program. The advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice, and results may vary based on your facts and location. Communication with attorneys on this show does not give rise to an attorney-client relationship. Our programming is politically neutral and objective. Your counterpoints to views expressed are always welcomed. Law Talk Radio is produced by Law Publicist Communications, an ALRPRA incorporated agency, and Law Talk Radio does not necessarily endorse all of the opinions expressed by guests. Finally, all callers remain confidential and rights to the broadcast are reserved. Now, by way of subject matter for today, Law Talk Radio again is happy to bring back Michael Helfand to talk about uh, some of the articles and commentary published in the Chicago Real Law blog, which is printed in Chicago Tribune's Chicago Now publication. This week, we kick off Michael's thoughts with a recent uh, talk about an article regarding the Blagojevich trial. Michael was quoted in the Chicago Tribune this week on the retrial, uh, quoted to say, would you want to be the defense knowing that you have to change 11 minds to get an acquittal or prosecutors thinking you have just one? So, interesting quote there in the Chicago Chicago Tribune uh, this on Wednesday regarding the Bogoyevich trial. So we're going to ask Mike a little bit about that and then talk about some of the other titles. Um, I'll just read you a short list. One is Ask a Lawyer Questions for Free. Uh, there was a live chat. Uh, we'll ask, talk a little bit about that. Secondly, uh, Illinois is a joke when it comes to child support. I think that one is pretty interesting having come from family law myself. Um, also, um, my IRS audit story sounds interesting, and I want to sue Southwest Airlines. I like that title. Um, and then why no attorneys are, are winning like Charlie Sheen and, and why. And some more things we'll talk about, but let's just dive right in. Michael, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Nick? I am good, and um, I always love your articles and stories, and I really think it's fun to bring people a little bit of a discussion on uh, the, the, the real thing behind the scenes um, and what really goes on. So let's first talk about the Blagojevich retrial, and let me just start by saying I have not followed this um, very well, um, so I, I don't know all of what's going on, but I, I can't imagine that you know, I think it seems in public opinion uh, he has been so acquitted. Um, they, I think they're going to have a tough uh, chance ahead of them. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's going to be a way different trial than the first time because, most importantly, his brother's not part of the trial, which I think confused a lot of the original jurors. And I think the prosecutors kind of had a chance to Monday morning quarterback this thing and say, boy, we were really, we were really confusing during that first trial. People really didn't understand what we were saying. We can go over it. We can streamline things, make things a lot more simple. And, you know, as I try to do with my site, kind of do things a little more in plain English versus 
hey, look at this. Don't you get it? Don't you get it? Which is kind of what they seem to do in the first trial. Hmm. Uh, you know, and that that is a good point. And um, it, it'll be interesting. You think it's going to take as long or you think that we'll be in and out of there? Oh, I think definitely it will not take as long. Um, only possibility being if, you know, Blagojevich actually puts on a defense this time, and you know if he if he testifies, and that's going to be a good week or so of testimony alone. And if he ever you know if he brings anyone else to the witness stand, but just by the fact that his brother's not there, and his brother did testify for uh, a couple days, and some of his brother's uh, witnesses were testifying, and the fact that they've dropped a few of the counts as well, which should make it a little more simple. And again, I think the prosecutors, I don't know if they had egg on their face, but they definitely you know didn't act as smoothly as you expect federal prosecutors to act in such a high-profile case. You know, luckily for them, they get a second crack at this. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. I saw um, I saw him and Patty outside the Witt Hotel uh, being interviewed uh, recently, a couple of days ago. He was swarmed by cameras, which is not – you know, I live in Ravenswood Gardens, so I, I live not far from uh, Blagojevich. Um, he lives across the river in Riverswood Manor, so it's it's you know it's it's a common thing to see him, and he's been all over the place lately. Um, and I, the one thing when I heard about the retrial coming up, I was wondering, oh, is his defense team coming in? Because uh, actually, the space where our offices are at at 35 East Wacker, that's the same uh, office suites on the ninth floor where his defense team was held up for a long time. And one day, I guess this is before I moved in there, but one day they just kind of up and took out of there. So I was wondering if we were going to have a whole bunch of uh, Blagojevich defense people back on our floor. So um, it'll be interesting. Um, any, yeah, and any I, other... I think part, part of it, having a new defense team this time and one that's not is, you know, look at me in the media and the yeah. fact that I think there's a little bit of fatigue. That's kind of probably kept you and others from really paying as much attention to it. You know, we also got the Bulls in the playoffs, the Blackhawks in the playoffs, baseball just started. Easter's coming up. I think a lot of people have their attention on other things. You know, school's finishing out. Whereas last time it was in the middle of the summer, you know, Chicago sports teams were doing their usual terrible. Yeah. Uh, and there wasn't really much else going on. And again, it was, you know, it's like, what are you more interested in, the first movie or the sequel? People always like the first go-round better. And that's kind of, I think, the problem Blagojevich has had because he's tried to do some grandstanding lately and it really hasn't attracted the attention that he really that he did the first time uh when he, through this, and as a matter of fact, I was kind of surprised. He only started doing his little press junkets or press conferences like a week before the jury was getting picked, which was a much different strategy than the first time. You, I also wonder what the budget is. I mean, I think that uh, a lot of money was spent on the first go around, um, you know. And it, not, I mean, not to pick the man's pocket, but he's driving around in a ten-year-old Nissan Xterra, you know. I mean, he was driving in nicer cars before. Um, right. <laughs> I just right now, what... you know, the, the, the state's picking up the tab on this one, so yeah, um, you know, the, they probably wouldn't fly if you, you know, as part of his budget was to head to New York to be on Regis and Kathy or, you know, Regis and Kelly, whatever it's called now, to, you know, kind of promote himself, so to speak. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. Although I will say that uh, from a PR aspect, the man has taken the opportunity to put himself on the map. You know, I'm sure he uh, knows a lot of people much better uh, after his scandal than he did before. Um, and I don't know about Donald Trump, but it just kind of reminds me. You know, I'm just like pink picturing all the activity in the loop. And you know, Trump Tower being uh, right across the street. I, I'm. I, I have you. What are your thoughts on Donald Trump and this whole political run? Is this just? Uh, what do you think about that? You know, it's. I don't think it's realistic. You know, um, that's for sure because. You know, I, I just I don't see a you know I don't see us electing a celebrity president, and you know, his party seems to have you know pretty strict standards as far as you know things that they will accept and not accept. At least they did the last time around. And you know, if you're talking about the conservative base, he certainly doesn't seem to fit it socially. But you know, I'm. Definitely neutral, but if I was on one side of the aisle, it wouldn't certainly be on a lot of the things that he's promoting. Um, but for him, you know, similar to Blagojevich, it's all about how much can I keep my name in the papers. And even if he doesn't run, you know, people are going to be paying attention to him, talking about him, and that helps his other businesses make money. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's uh, you know my father is in media and sometimes will tell me stories in the past about 
uh, people who were convicted felons uh, who were you know running for things or, or you know people who had done horrible things, but their name was in the news a lot. And people will attend when they go to the polls to pick names they associate with. And I have a hard time feeling. You know, I'm sure everyone knows who um, you know who Donald Trump is, but uh, it would just be I, I think it would just be hilarious if if anyone out there actually believes that he will likely be the next president. I mean, it's just kind of I think it's all kind of funny. But you know, again, the same thing. Um, you know, I know when I go back to uh, when you watch Back to the Future, there's a there's a line in there where he says, "Oh, you know, who's the president? Ron, you know, Ronald Reagan." You know, they're making a joke about it. Right. Like they thought that Ronald Reagan would be elected president. Right. But I don't know. It's 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 a lot of media hype, and I think that if you sort of uh, you know, tune some of the media off, sometimes you again get a little bit more. But again, a lot of these individuals are very skilled at keeping their names out there. So, but let's uh, move forward. I want to ask you about some of the. Um, some of the publications on the Chicago's Real Law blog. First, I want to ask you about the Ask a Lawyer questions for free. Um, did you do anything specific to promote that, or did you just uh, put it out there? Um, did you? You know, I have about, about twelve hundred. I have about twelve hundred people uh, on my Facebook fan page for my huh. business, so that helped. And then the Tribune did a nice job of putting it on the front page uh, of their website that I was hosting the chat. So it definitely drove a lot of traffic to the chat and led to a lot of questions and I was actually pleasantly surprised a lot of interesting questions and uh you know people have you know people just loved the opportunity to ask something but you know I certainly don't blame people that they don't want to call up a lawyer's office and feel like they're going to have to pay for it so it was a good opportunity for you know the Chicago now readers to get a question answered without you know having to head downtown pay a, pay a fee and go from there right right you know here's a question do do you think that some of the people who called in or participated uh, seem to have done some research or um, sleuthing on their own before calling. You know, we spend so much time trying to get uh, different attorneys to publish more blogs and content in their practice area so people can study up a little bit before they make a call. Um, are, just overall, are you seeing a more uh, educated consumer calling? You know, definitely. In, in my experience, a lot of people that actually call me through my website, because I'll talk to people for free anytime as yeah. well, and it's not just the chat. Um, my experience is that a lot of them are just kind of like tooling around the internet and they stumble across me and they realize, oh, this isn't going to cost anything. I might as well ask a question. And I think a lot of that was similar with the chat where it's like, hey, this has kind of been in the back of my head or I was wondering. You know, there was a lady that asked me about her husband who fell outside their apartment and broke his ankle, I think it was, back in January. You know, and here we are three months later and they've never talked to a lawyer. But you can tell it's just kind of been in the back of her head and she looked at this as an opportunity to ask that question without having to make the call to a lawyer's office. And the fact is, you know, right or wrong, a lot of people are intimidated about calling a lawyer's office. Some people don't want to be thought of as the suing type or some people just are worried about the fees. And so for me, it was a good opportunity to, you know, at least alleviate some of those concerns and maybe answer some questions. Yeah, well, it's a really good app. I, I totally agree. And one of the things that I've seen uh, so many times is people will people are so nervous when they're calling a law office because you know, and I've been there on the on the on the back end when someone puts them on a hold and they're you know stories of you can't believe this person on the line who thinks they have a cause of action because of this or that or you know what it is. And you know, I've heard some lawyers just you know talk to these people like they're just idiots. Like, why would you ever think that you have a case? Uh, you know, so I, I, I've seen people who are really nice, but then I've had seen people who are just like, reach through the phone and slap them upside the head. Um, so I can see why the, you know, so that's a really good thing. Are you going to be doing that again, the Ask a Lawyer questions for free? You know, yeah, I did one in March and I thought it went well. Um, so I'm going to try to do one a month. That's my goal. Um, yeah. you know, definitely take some time away from my normal business. But as long as people are interested in asking questions, I'll keep on doing it. You know, the day that they stop showing up to talk to me, I guess is the day that I should stop uh, showing up to chat. So, or the same oh, here with the radio program. <laughs> right. So I, I, there was no cricket sounds yesterday, which was a good thing. But, um, yeah, I had a nice you know hour where I was pelted with questions the entire time. Some from Texas. One guy was in Afghanistan. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a what a unique experience. Um, now, you know, you get a lot of calls. Um, before we pause for our first break, let me just ask you to. I'm gonna, you know, it's your 10th anniversary. Tell us a little bit about how it is that your company works with Find a Great Lawyer. How does that work? Um, it's FindGreatLawyers.com, and basically, it was started 10 years ago this uh, this month. And the whole philosophy is that you know you want to make lawyers more approachable 
and you want to help people find the lawyers that you would refer your family members and friends to if they need one, or just have a place to get questions answered without having to go through a whole ordeal. Um, you know, it certainly started as the Internet was still building up, so there weren't as many websites out there when I started this. So I was kind of the first of the kind to do this. And it basically gives anyone an opportunity to call us or email us, tell us their situation, and, you know, I'm a big believer in talking bluntly. And, uh, so if people don't have a case, I'll tell them I don't think they have a case and this is why. If they do have a case, I'll tell them I think you have a case and this is why. And if they need a referral, I say, hey, you know, this is a guy that I know or a woman that I know that I think does a great job and would be a good fit based on what your unique situation is. And too many lawyers, when they refer out someone that they can't help, tend to just say, oh, I went to law school with you know Tom Smith and Tom does divorce. Why don't you call him? Well, they don't actually do the analysis of, who is the right lawyer for that specific person. So we're, we're trying to change the way that people find lawyers. Um, we've done it, like I said, for over 10 years. I've talked to over 150,000 people in 10 years and certainly haven't helped everyone, but I think I've helped a lot of people. Yeah. Well, I think it's a really good thing. So now it's, it's so people don't pay when they go to this. You know, they go, they call, um, and it costs them nothing, right? Talk to me, absolutely. And as far as the lawyers I recommend, I always try to recommend someone, you know, based on their financial situation. I'm certainly not a place to find a free lawyer, um, but the lawyers I recommend, it's up to you, know, you as a client to call that lawyer or not and agree to hire them or not. Yeah. And, you know, the lawyer's fees are what they are. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really good service that you have going on there. So congratulations on 10 years. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to take a quick uh, pause break for some commercial sponsor announcements. At, uh, and first comes from the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Your businesses may be exposed to liability if your marketing materials and slogans infringe on another's intellectual property. When you need the right legal services to advance your creativity and guard against trademark infringement, call the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Attorney Nancy K. Ducharme brings big law firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm, serving national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, internet law, and advertising law. You can find the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme by visiting www.nkdlaw.com and also by searching for the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme on Facebook. The law office of Nancy K. Ducharme is there to help you with your advertising copy review. You can get in touch with Nancy today by visiting nkdlaw.com or by calling her directly at area code 708 Four 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 seven nine zero zero. Again, that's seven zero eight four 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 seventy nine hundred. And our second commercial sponsor is Steve Fretzen and Sales Results Incorporated. If you are an attorney who's struggling to develop your book of business, try calling Sales Results. For over six years, Sales Results has been helping attorneys to double or even triple their books through the Sales Results Develop Business Development Coaching Programs. You can call them at area code 847-317-1575. Again, 847-317-1575. You can also visit them online at www.salesresultsinc.com. That's salesresultsinc.com. Now, as we get back to our Law Talk Radio program, we do encourage our listeners to call in if you ever have any questions. The telephone number is area code 917-889-9732, option one to be placed in the queue. And again, when many people find our shows in archived links and through social media channels, please be kind and share our programming with others who you know may enjoy some good information. So again, we uh, um, much thanks to all of our uh customers and listeners out there. Uh, we're going to go back to Michael Halfland now, and we're talking about some of the different uh, articles that he has written about recently in Chicago's Real Law blog. So, Michael, um, my next my next article I want to ask you about is uh, your piece on Illinois child support. And I know when I was um, back, I'm going to say 2000. To 2004-ish around there, uh, when I was working in family law, I remember they had just implemented a new system, and people were explaining to me why some of these things were taking so long and why there was so much difficulty. Um, it's it's a very troubling thing for anyone who's a, a you know child support recipient. Yeah, you know, and it's hey, it's a free service, and for people who aren't aware of it, basically the state has a program called the Illinois Department of Child Support Enforcement, and each of the county's state's attorneys um, is supposed to 
enforce it and help people who are owed child support or want to even get an order for child support in place. Now, if you've got a situation where you're a parent and you know where the other parent works and they're getting a paycheck and it's you know they live in Illinois, usually they're successful at some point of being able to get an order to garnish those wages, you know, so you get paid directly. Um, but the reality is most people's situation isn't so smooth. People change jobs. They move out of state. They work cash jobs. Some people are, you know, working two jobs. Um, people working under false Social Security numbers. People who own their own businesses that don't, you know, aren't subject to these garnishments because they don't have a paycheck. And what ends up happening is the state is just overwhelmed with cases and understaffed. And I hear over and over again, I tried to go through the state to get my child support, but I had to wait six months, a year, year and a half. I still haven't gotten anything. As soon as, you know, the child said they turned 18, they said they weren't going to help with anything retroactive. They weren't going to help because the dad moved to Florida or Texas or the mom moved to California. And it's a shame because the people handling these cases are lawyers and they should be doing legal work. But the reality is they only focus on the easy cases, or that's certainly how it seems. And people with the tougher cases, for lack of a better term, get screwed. And so that, you know, when Blagojevich was governor, and this is not picking on Blagojevich because it's not him, but I remember vividly seeing a press conference where he stood up and talked about their 37% success rate. Well, that's a 63% failure rate. Now, this is stats from a few years ago, but I can't imagine it's any better because there's more people now struggling. And when the economy got, you know, turned around or turned in the wrong direction, it, it made it so more people were working cash jobs or more people were switching jobs or moving. And it, it's just unbelievable the amount of people I talked to who tried to go through the state and basically basically got nowhere for six to 18 months. It, yeah, it takes it takes so I. <laughs> I had a friend who worked for for the state's attorney out in DuPage, and he was in child support court. And he had a stack of files, and you know, they're bringing the people back. Some of the guys are incarcerated; other people are going back and forth. And their job diaries, and you know, I've heard some of the stories that they'll tell the judge, um, you know, why they couldn't get to work, or someone needed to they lent money to someone they didn't have gas to go do their somewhere get a job do a job there it's just it's ridiculous and you know some of the judges are are you know it's the point i'm making is some of the people who are trying to work the system and try to get away with it just seem to be such a drain on um you know everyone involved and it's just a very tough thing and you know, but it does take a lot of money. If you're going to go hire an attorney to uh, go work out and get child support, I mean, that's if you're not getting the child support in the first place, you don't have money to hire counsel, and a lot of people don't qualify for public aid in order to get some of the, um, you know, public assistance uh, or even the different organizations that have pro bono lawyer services. You need to be, you know, a lot of people are falling in between, so they can't afford to hire the lawyer, but they're not poor enough to get the public aid. So kinda... absolutely, and you know, and it, it is true that you know justice in America is often based on what you can afford. And you know, I'll have people talk to me sometimes, and they'll say something to the effect of, "So you're telling me because I don't have money, I'm going to get screwed?" And I tell <laughs> them honestly, "Yeah." Yep. That's exactly what's going to happen, you know, and it's not fair and it's not right, but until we create a system that kind of streamlines the legal process for people and allows people to represent themselves on what should be simple matters, specifically, I have a court order for custody, this is how many children I have, you know, and this is where the guy is working or the woman is working, whatever it may be, you know, it shouldn't be that hard to handle, but unfortunately it is. People get screwed. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I don't. Know. Do you know of any other state, any states who do a really good job with child support, um, or any other models? I I have heard of things here and there, but I really don't know if there's like what could we be doing that you know we as far as states go, you know we're we're one of the last states to you know file bankruptcy, or I think someone said that the state of Illinois has never filed for bankruptcy protection or or whatnot, but, you know, I mean, we're we're pretty even keel with uh, New York and California for a lot of things, but, yeah, I suppose they're also uh, pretty bad for child support things, too. I mean, what, we have a lot of people, you have these systems. I, I just don't know what the answer is. Well, I'll tell you a few things. Number one, until we actually have penalties for people working cash jobs, there's it's going to keep on going on because 
you know, you, you take like the guys that handle baggage at O'Hare Airport, for example. The yeah. word on the street is those guys will make, you know, $150,000, $200,000 a year, most of it in tips. Because, as you probably know, if you don't give them five bucks, your bag is probably not getting on the plane. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just a fact of life. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and the guys that get those jobs are incredibly well connected. They never leave those jobs. And I'm not trying to just pick on them because it's a problem with waiters and bartenders and, you know, but those people are not in a situation where they are fully reporting their incomes. And it makes it very difficult to enforce these types of laws. The other thing is, until you know, people really feel pain. Like we have laws in our books to talk about jail time if you're not, if you're behind on child support, your passport getting revoked, your license getting suspended. The way that they enforce that law is so arbitrary that it, it just makes no sense. And I think you really need to have a situation where people feel, look, you're going to blow off the court, you're going to blow off the order, and blow off your kids. There's going to be some real consequences here. Now, I'm not yeah. in favor of just throwing everyone in jail, but you know, a weekend might scare some people into doing the right thing. I, and I, I have, I have been, I've listened to phone calls with between attorney and client saying, "Fine, if you want to go to jail, you go to jail." And I've seen some of these people actually. Oh, that judge is not going to do that. And you know, I've heard the arguments of, "Well, you can't suspend my license. You can't put my, me in jail because if you put me there, or I can't drive. Then I can't earn money or make work. You know, or uh, you know, work towards paying the child support." So. I'm screwed either way, but I've seen some people that you put the, you know, they realize, oh, I'm not, uh, you know, impervious to this. I, you know, and a lot of it is the the people who are um, voluntarily underemploying themselves. You know, people who said, well, I was a CEO of whatever company. You can't just go get another CEO job, and I'm not about to um, dilute my credentials by going. Um, you know, the, in the wrong direction. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess the best way to prevent this is just not to have kids in the first place or not you know, be in a child support situation. But <laughs> if, if only you could make those laws, you know. And it, 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 what's amazing to me is the amount of people that basically say, if I'm going to have to pay child support, I'm just going to quit my job so they don't get it. And <laughs> the, lo- the logic that just makes no sense. You know, and and a lot of it just stems from bitter feelings, from terrible relationships. But gosh, I mean, can you imagine having like I've seen guys that are making like a thousand dollars a week working construction, and then they get a court order where they're going to be paying like you know two eighty in child support. I'm not going to pay that, man. Forget it. I'd rather just not work at all. Right. Never mind the fact that they don't have that seven twenty for themselves. Now, what I think really happens is they go and they work the cash jobs, and you know that that's where all the problems occur. There is nothing more – I've never seen anything more illogical in life than people going through uh, you know, divorce and, and um, you know, post-decree custody and support issues and the lengths that people will go. I mean you know, going out of their way to not pay a mortgage on something, to screw the other person's credit, um, it's, just, it's amazing what people will do to be vindictive. So, well, let's leave child support and move on to um, – this this next one. I know that you had your article um, not long ago about the city of Chicago not paying out suits. Um, you had a, do you have a follow up update here on suing the police? Yeah, you know, I just um, it kind of came from a few. Uh, my motivation to write it came from a few calls I'd gotten from people, and you know, there was one where this guy um, probably had a, f- a few too many drinks one night, but in his own words, wasn't you know wasn't out of control, and you know. He, he, he tried to get back into a bar. He got thrown out of because his credit card was in there. Uh, the cops got called. And, you know, he got punched in the stomach. They broke his glasses. Um, I don't think any bad bruises. But, you know, definitely stepped over the line of what's legal. And the reality is I can't find that guy an attorney because the damages just aren't there. And certainly the city of Chicago and other cities you know, in Illinois, they take the approach of, hey, if we know it's going to cost – $20,000 for a plaintiff's lawyer to get to trial and our exposure is only 30 or 40 or 50, you know, those lawyers aren't going to take it because they might get nothing and it's just not worth their time. And so you can be wrong. As, and again, most of the cops are great, but, you know, some aren't and get away with this stuff. And the reality is unless you've got it on video where it's going to really shock a jury to the point where a defendant feels like, look, obviously we can't defend this case. It's, there's no justification for what happened. You know, Most lawyers aren't going to take those cases because the reality is most jurors are going to believe a police officer over 
layperson. You even think? If, you know, when I've seen situations where people have you know three, four, five witnesses, cops which have just themselves or them and their partner. Presumably, the cops are lying. The jurors go with the cops because it's a really easy defense argument to make at the closing statements. You know, Officer Jones puts his life on the line every single day, and now he's got to deal with this nonsense, and that that just resonates with people. Oh right, you know, and why would why would um, Officer Jones go out of his way to screw this guy over? Um, you know, and that comes up with um, there's a, a matter I know about right now where um, a lot of people are talking about a potential uh, 1983 action in another state over um, alleged misdeeds of law enforcement. But the the thing is, there were so many people involved in the situation that you know if. You know the chain of this. You know the prosecutor is in bed with the cops and the witness, and all. And it, there are times when that actually does happen, um, and it can happen. But again, who who's ever going to listen to that? They're going to say, "Oh, sure." They're going to stop everything that they're doing and focus on screwing this one person. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's just whether it's true or not. You know, good luck ever proving that. You just you'd have to have something so insurmountable. Um, uh, it just seems that, again, it just seems like a lost cause for a lot of people. It's just uh, it's kind of a sad state when people say we have a justice system with no justice. Have you heard people say that? You, know, you hear that. And, you know, the other problem in these cases is, you know, you'll get a guy like the example I just gave, or I got a call the other day similar, where to protect themselves, the cops arrest the guy and charge him with disorderly conduct or charge him with resisting arrest or something like that. And that's just another thing that's kind of piled on, you know, when it comes to defending the case, and they just charge these people criminally in order to kind of get away with what they did, what was wrong. I, I have a family that called me the other day. Their son was literally running from the police, got shot in the back. Fortunately for him, it's pierced his lung. He's you know still in the hospital, but he'll be fine. Um, but he's charged with aggravated battery to a police officer and resisting arrest and disorderly conduct and all these things that could put him in jail for years and years and years. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know what the kid did, and maybe he did do things that were inappropriate, but that doesn't change the fact that shooting someone who's running away from you in the back is excessive force. You know, the kid didn't have a gun, the kid didn't have a knife. You know, his story is that the cop was beating the crap out of him, so he was running away. <laughs> now, I wasn't there, but again, you know, it's just it's things like that where, you know, listen, I respect officers. They have a really hard job, but, you know, these things that do happen shouldn't happen. Right. Well, it, it's you know you look at the news and how many times do we see um, you know a, a county cop or a city cop you know plow into somebody on I-55 or 90 you know late at night and then they're having a memorial service for the cop and um, you know, it's just it's you know there there's a potential for um, good and bad. Um, I, I've known some people who've worked in internal affairs at Chicago Police, and uh, it's a that's an interesting thing what goes on behind the scenes, and a lot of people don't realize. But it's true. At the end of the day, um, these guys are out there putting their lives on the line, going into neighborhoods. I mean, I wouldn't want to be called into North Lawndale to answer calls on a lot of these things. Uh, it's just not safe for them, um, you know. And it's it's yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy world out there. So we're gonna pause for our second set of breaks, and then we'll be back with Michael and ask him about um, the next story, his IRS audit. This should be interesting. Um, but first, we're gonna bring you some of our daily legal news, and then another commercial sponsor. And today's daily legal news comes uh, from Reuters, uh, published out of Phoenix by Tim Gaynor. Um, protesting outside Arizona legislature this week, Hispanic activists Carlos Galindo was clear about the impact of the desert state's controversial immigration crackdown made into law one year ago. Quote, it has polarized Arizona, end quote, said Galindo 51, a talk radio host sitting with protesters who, along with police who watch over them, have become a fixture outside the Capitol as the anniversary approaches. Controversy is one of the few things Americans can agree on in discussing the crackdown in illegal immigrants, which was signed into law by Arizona's Republican Governor Jan Brewer on April 23, 2010. But some key provisions remain blocked by U.S. federal judge from taking effect. Fueled by frustration at the U.S. federal government's failure to secure the state's porous border with Mexico, the law sent shockwaves around the country and moved illegal immigration from the front burner uh, to an issue often for bitter debate uh, from legislatures to family homes. So 
interesting article. See more on that on Reuters. Um, uh, from Reuters on uh, Reuters.com, coming out of Phoenix again by Tim Gaynor, um, and it's nice to see that we have some of the top uh, legal news coming from something other than um, the debacle in Wisconsin and their governor Scott Walker, who has certainly put himself all over the map. So um, our next uh, commercial message comes from uh, Jim Thompson in the Get Clients Now program. And if you want to get more clients now, there's a seasoned attorney and marketing coach you should talk to. His name is Jim Thompson, and his program is called Get Clients Now. And he'll help you take some crucial steps towards increasing your firm's revenues. The Get Clients Now program employs various time-honored techniques to help you attract new business and encourage referrals. Jim is a recurring guest on the Lawyer's Toolbox show on Thursdays regarding attorney marketing. And to learn more about Jim Thompson and the Midwest Consulting Group, you can visit LawyersMarketingResource.com. Again, that website is Lawyers Marketing Resource. And you can check out testimonials on their site and see what people are saying about them. Uh, here at Law Publicist Communications, we strongly endorse the Get Clients Now program as we understand the personal accountability component of this course. You can get in touch with Jim Thompson today by emailing him at J-E-T, that's J-E-T like JET, at MidwestConsultants.net. So again, J-E-T at MidwestConsultants.net. So as we go back to our program now, we want to thank all of our listeners, again, who share our uh, material uh, in their social networks as they see them. We're going to go back now to our guest, Michael Helfland, and we're talking a little bit about some of his articles. And the next one we want to talk about, and by the way, you can find all of these on Chicago's Real Law blog at chicagonow.com, and then search for Chicago's Real Law blog. So our next piece we want to ask you about, Michael, is your story about the, the IRS audit story. Um, it's a very scary thing uh, as I look at my taxes and everything as well. So I'm um, hoping not to ever have the audit. Uh, what can we benefit from your advice? Yeah, you know, um, getting one almost fe- felt surreal, just getting the notice in the mail that, hey, you're going to have to go through this and you know, we want this, 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 and this. And, you know, quite honestly, the, the letter <laughs> that it comes in on looks like something someone can make at Kinko. So at first part of me was like, is this like some kind of scam or a joke? Yeah, or? is this even real? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just it didn't feel real. Um, and then like you call this you know local number for someone and just go straight to voicemail. I, you know, it just never, there's part of me where it felt like this is I'm being duped somehow. But then I did actually meet the auditor. She came in per- person. She brought her supervisor, you know, the other fancy IRS business cards. If, if it was a scam, it's the greatest scam I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and they were very friendly, very nice. And it was interesting because I do have a unique business um, in that I'm a lawyer, but I don't have clients as far as like, you know, people that are paying me retainers and stuff like that. And my business model financially is very you know different than most law firms. That's why I got audited because they were wondering where I put all the, you know, all the revenue, like where it's coming from. They didn't really understand. And, um, you know, once they, I felt they understood the business, you know, I realized that, you know, the audit doesn't seem much to worry about now. Knock on wood, I haven't gotten my final uh, notification yet that things are cleared, but that's certainly, you know, what they indicated. But what was really shocking to me is, you know, they're auditing me. They're certainly auditing me based on something they saw in one of my returns, yet the lady that's auditing me doesn't have access to those documents, which basically meant I had to reproduce them, which is... You know, probably a little over 500 pages of various returns and forms and, you know, partnership agreements. All, all this, I mean, 90% of what she asked for was stuff that I've already sent to the IRS previously. And they don't scan these forms. You know, I, I think we mail them to Kansas City or somewhere, or Cincinnati. And, you know, they're there. and She's here, and she can't get those forms. And so it, it was just really surprising how inefficient that they were. And then when she followed up with me, um, she told me, well, we need these additional forms. When we met in my office, she's like, there's a couple things you didn't give it, that I didn't ask for that I need. And I'm like, oh, great. I've got them here electronically from my accountant. I'll just email it to you. And she said, well, you could, but I really discourage it because the IRS doesn't have a secure network. And you'd think if any organization in this country is going to have a secure network, it would be the one that's got financial information for every single person in the entire country. Um, huh. But they don't. And it just, it's miserable. It's just incredible how we're still in the 20th century over there. Well, I heard, um, I remember hearing some comments that uh, the IRS was one of the organizations that was a loss leader because they spend more money on enforcement than they actually collect 
um, in doing the audits. It's no, and it's ridiculous. And you know, like I said, they were very nice. They asked logical questions. She probably spent an I don't know, 50 minutes with me on the entire audit as far as, like, time in my office. Like, it wasn't disruptive. I didn't feel like they were, you know, trying to go through every little thing. One of the issues I have is that, we, you know, I think there's a couple meals um, that we forgot to declare as meals, and those aren't tax deductible. So she was, I mean, she was like, look, we don't really care about those small things. We're looking for, you know, it all made sense. But, gosh, like, how much time is she, is she wasting by the fact that she can't just pull something up on a computer screen? She's got to write the letter, send out the letter, wait for me to send it back. Now remember why she asked for it in the first place. It's, it's incredibly inefficient. Um, I'm not a big fan of our tax laws in this country. Like I said, I think the fact that it's so easy to work cash jobs, um, there's something that needs to be done, done about that, whether it's going after people harder with penalties or just completely changing the tax system. So we're not as income tax focused as more always like a goods and service types type of a tax, but it was just ridiculous how little information she had about me. And I, you know, I gave her everything that I have, but a part of me wonder like, gosh, if I, if I told her that we didn't do this certain form this year, would she even know if I was telling the truth or not? Now, of course, I'm not going to risk my law license by doing that. Yeah. We're going to jail, but it just, it certainly made, made you think. Yeah. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, I wonder. You know, the, the other thing I think that's interesting is that um, they will offer you a, like a payment plan if you're under a certain dollar amount, but if you your penalties are too high, they can't help you. Which brings me to another uh, government agency. Well, I don't know. They're no, they're private, but the Illinois Tollway. I'd like to know, what are your thoughts on the Illinois Tollway? Because let me just tell you my story first, Michael. Now, pretend that I'm just someone who's calling in out of the blue. And I tell you, the Illinois Tollway thinks that I owe them $50,000 um, after I, their their system finally caught up or it didn't match the plate right. The battery was dead on the transponder. Um, it, it, it was a true story. And I said, what in the world's going on? And I said, well, and most of it was toll, was violations because after you go past um, a certain amount of violations. You're not no longer just getting the twenty dollars a pop one. Now they're adding fifty bucks on it. So right. it was like forty. It was like seventy dollars and forty cents per toll. So that's how it gets up to fifty three thousand dollars. I'm laughing at this people. I called a lobbyist at the toll. I knew her from another guy, and um, she puts me in touch with this person. And what they have is this automatic. They have this automatic um, get out of jail free amount of fifth of uh, two thousand dollars. They said, "Give us two thousand dollars today, um, and you know we'll call it even." And I said, "Oh, you, this has got to be a joke because they're not going to spend the time to calculate what I'd actually owe." So they're like, "Pay us two thousand dollars." And I said, "You know what? I you know I run my own business. I don't have extra two thousand dollars to spend on this." Why don't I? Can I give me a payment plan? I'll give you five hundred dollars a month, or uh, you know, whatever. They can't do that. And now this thing is at collections, and the the collection people say that they don't they don't own the debt. They're just calling on behalf of the tollway to be bothersome and harass. Uh, but no one, it, it's like it's gone. No one has any authority over this debt amount anymore. So every time someone calls, I tell them the story. It takes like 15 minutes, and they say, I have no idea what to do with this information. And I said, well, why don't you suspend my license, and then you know, then I'll have a reason to bring a small, you know, I don't know. Like, what are you supposed to do? They, these people are holding you over a barrel. It's The, the tollway is just is ridiculous. They're a joke, and again, it's like most government agencies. The ability to get someone on the phone that can actually solve your problem or deal with something logically usually doesn't exist. And your explanation makes perfect sense. Um, I hear stories like that all the time, and the reality is there there needs to be more people that have the authority to act, and unfortunately they don't. And the stereotypes of a lot of these government agencies just be being run by lazy people that don't care and aren't interested in the job that you know it's a place to be I, unfortunately it's true yeah well and i just said that i just told them i'm like you know what suspend my damn license and because i you know how many civil you know civil rights and class action lawyers i know who'd love to i know other people who are saying hey, nick if you ever have a class action suit against a tollway give me a call um you know because if they're they're not they're not a state agent i mean it's not it you know if they're owned by other company other you know whoever owns them i think there's gray area whether they are you know state action or not i i i'm just i don't think anyone even knows anymore i mean they're it's an administration through illinois state government but as i understood they were owned by i don't know people in syria or something 
Yeah, you know, it, it, it's all confusing. And, and to take a lot of this stuff into court, I think you have to do it in Wheaton, even because they're, they're headquartered out of DuPage. I, I had a similar situation years ago with the city of Chicago. Um, I got a thing in the mail, a letter saying, you've been, you failed to respond to a parking ticket, here's your fine. And there's two things were wrong with it. Number one, I was living um, like at Clark and North at the time. The street that they mentioned, I'd never heard of. <laughs> um, and I still haven't been able to find in the city of Chicago. But the bigger problem was I didn't own a car at the time. you know. And I called them up. I'm like, what do you mean I have to pay this? I'm like, I don't own a car. They're like, well, we have you, we have you on the registration. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I've never even heard of this location. I'm like, well, it's you. And I'm like, well, look into it. They're like, sorry, we can't do anything about it. You've missed the time to appeal. And I'm like, I never got the first notice to begin with. I just got the final notice. And so years later, we got a car, and we needed to buy a city sticker. And if you want to get the city sticker, you had to pay off the parking ticket. So I was forced to pay <laughs> off this parking ticket for a car that I never owned in a place that I wow. never was. I still haven't been able to find out where it is. But, you know, that's just the inefficiency of these agencies. I I um I had a, I walked out one morning. I I mean, I live in Ravenswood, and I work in the Loop, and so my car sits um, you know, it's this, it's this old Mercedes station wagon. The thing just sits there and collecting dust and, you know, stuff falling off trees. But I don't, I don't want to get rid of the car because there's times that it's useful. You know, I take zip cars around a lot, but every now and then, you know, I just don't want to get rid of the car. So it sits there and, um, I had red light tickets and this is my own fault because I didn't, uh, forward the address. So they were still send, sending notices to 77 West Washington. Um, and, so I didn't, you know, I had had these red light tickets I don't know about. All this, all of a sudden, one day I go out there, the car's booted, right? And so I go down, I take the bus down Western, go to the place on Addison to go to the hearing officer, because they tell you you have to request and have a hearing um, within so many hours, or they tow and impound your car. So I'm going there for the hearing, and I go through the hearing. And the guy goes through all this litany of, uh, you know, we sent this notice to this address and this notice to this address, and I, you know, I'm like, uh, you know, I said, judge, you know, I. Fully, you know, my fault. Uh, you know, I didn't. I'm responsible for that. I didn't update the address. You know, guilty as charged. You know, fine. I just want. You know, can I get a payment plan today or what? Because it's like 580 bucks on the spot. And I said, give me a payment plan. Well, I couldn't get a payment plan because all the criteria for a payment plan, you have to be on on a link or living in a box or you know, it's all it's ridiculous. So again, it's stuck between the I have 500 bucks on me to spend today versus I can't afford a payment plan. But if you have more than seven twenty five or seven fifty, then you can get a payment plan. So I asked the woman, I said, So if I do nothing and then you tow and impound my car, then I will uh, owe you enough that I then can qualify for a payment plan. And she says, Sir, that's right. Is that what you'd like to do? <laughs> I said, No. I don't want you to tow my car. <laughs> right. I took care of it, I got it, but it was just so stupid because, you know, this judge is like I'm going through this and this ALJ is going through all this and He's like, guilty, guilty. I'm like, I'm not trying to get out of the tickets. I just want to get a payment plan. So anyway, so for any of you who get a notice about you know, tickets or whatever, they will boot your car. And I will tell you this. I, rent, I went back. By the time I left there and took the bus back up western and got to my car maybe 15 minutes, the boot was off already. So they go around 24-7. They will boot that car in a heartbeat, and, um, but they can take it off just as quick. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah, so get, learn a little from me about that. So we're going to pause for our third set of breaks, and then we're going to come back and ask about this uh, story I love about I want to sue Southwest Airlines. That sounds interesting. So we're going to be right back with Michael Halfland after our law practice management resources. And these come from ABA Law Bulletin and Law Publicist Communications. Our first one from ABA Publishing, uh, the, today's title is iPad in One Hour for Lawyers. I really like this. Um, whether you're a new or more advanced iPad user, iPad in one hour for lawyers takes a great deal of the mystery and confusion out of using your iPad. Ideal for lawyers who want to get up to speed swiftly, this book presents the essentials so you don't have to get bogged down in technical jargon and extraneous features and apps. In just six short lessons, you'll learn how to quickly navigate and use the iPad user interface, set up mail, calendar, and contacts, 
create and use folders and multitask and manage your apps, add files to your iPad and sync them, view and manage pleadings, case law, contracts, other legal documents. Uh, also using your iPad to take notes and create documents. And finally, how to use legal-specific apps at trial or in doing research. So again, from ABA Publishing, iPad in one hour for lawyers. Uh, our second uh, law bulletin from, from Law Bulletin Publishing Company, another resource is uh, the Attorneys in Transition and the Chicago Daily Law Bulletin and Chicago Lawyer Magazine, where when you subscribe to, uh, you will receive up-to-date legal news from around Chicago and Illinois. You can also check out their Law Bulletin blog, Attorneys in Transition, which offers advice and tips for lawyers in flux in their careers. And I am one of the weekly advice columnists published in the Attorneys in Transition site, and I hope that you do stop by and leave your comment at attorneysintransition.com. Finally, from your very own law publicist, Communications, we want to know, are your clients and colleagues talking about you? And if so, what do they have to say? We want to know if you need to create a logo, a website, or a brand image. Now, do you have time to do all these things, or does your staff? One thing you can do is hand us the keys and let you help help you make sense of public relations for law firms and businesses. ALRPRA Incorporated's Law Publicist Communications is a public relations agency serving lawyers and professional service firms. We put you on the map and get people talking about you and your firm. Please visit www.alrpra.com to view our welcome video learn a little bit more or uh, search around on our site for some great information. So again, those are our uh, practice management tips of the day. And our final commercial sponsor is credit damage expert George Finder. Your credit score and reputation are valuable assets, and if you suffer damage to your credit score, you should consider your damages at law. Credit damage expert George Finder is an expert who can put a dollar amount on damage to your credit score. George Finder is one of the only credit damage experts in the country, and the attorneys and plaintiffs who've retained his services have earned huge damage awards in various practice areas such as personal injury, employment law, family law, and general civil litigation. Now, by learning to spot the credit damage events worthy of retaining George Finder's uh, uh, services, you, what you want to do is learn how to incorporate those into your intake process so you can spot those uh, events. So, Credit Damage Expert has a website with more resources at creditdamageexpert.com. Again, that's www.creditdamageexpert.com to learn more about George Finder and his expert services. So now back to our programming, and we want to uh, remind callers out there that if you have uh, programming thoughts or feedback, you can always go to our Facebook business page simply by going on to Facebook and then the search bar on top. Just uh, simply search Law Talk Radio, and you will find us. And we uh, have t had a number of guests and uh, individuals uh, in programming decisions that have come from, from your feedback. So we do have open ears here, and we take everything into account, and we always uh, appreciate your time and feedback. So... Let's now get uh, back to Michael. And, uh, Michael, really quick before I ask you about Southwest Airlines, I want to know if you have an iPad. Are you an iPad user? I do have an iPad. Do you know how to use it? Um, I definitely know how to use it. It certainly doesn't get as much use out from me as it does for my children. Yeah. <laughs> they have them at uh, over at Mid-America Club. Uh, it's one of those things as members we can go check the iPad out. But I don't know how to use the damn thing, and I don't know if anyone's there to really help me. Um, I, there, there's do you have an lot iPhone? No, I'm a BlackBerry guy. So okay, because it's really like just a big iPhone, um, and if you get it, and they're not that hard to figure out. But honestly, like uh, I have friends, I have friends that use them all day at work. You know, they take notes on them, they do presentations on them. That's not really you know my thing, but I've played a lot of Angry Birds on it with my kids, uh, nice. and a couple other games, and mostly as I had in my Southwest Airlines experience when I had, we have long. You know, long trips or whatever, it's a great thing for the kids to play and give mom and dad a, a moment of peace. Exactly. So, but who's not giving you a moment of peace and relaxation? Sounds like Southwest Airlines themselves. So, um, tell me about uh, your, what are your thoughts on Southwest? Well, you know what? Um, I love Southwest. It's definitely the, you know, when I started my business, I tried to think of like what companies can I, you know, copy or imitate or, you know, model myself after. Because my big thing was I wanted to be known as a law firm that delivers service. And the biggest thing with Southwest Airlines is they've always been the company that you call, it rings once, someone picks up, they're on the line, they're great. Um, you know, Some people don't like their perky flight attendants or how it kind of gets shoved in like a cattle car uh, on the plane, but that's never bothered me. 
Uh, I'm not looking for the frills of, you know, the blankets or the meals that I don't want to eat anyways. And it's, you know, great price. Um, they've gotten new management. They're, they're trying different things. Hey, everyone's in it to make a buck, of course. Um, and I think they're trying to more focus on their bottom line, and I think they've slipped their service slip a little bit. Now when you call in, you start with an automated response, and then usually you get put in a queue before you can get a live person. Not always, but I started to notice in the last few months that it had been that way. Well, long story short is we were out of town for spring break, and they had a problem with one of their planes on a Friday night where a fuselage broke, and one of the planes had to make an emergency landing somewhere. And so um, I get a text message uh or a voicemail rather the next morning saying, hey, your flight's been canceled. Go to Southwest Online, southwest.com online and rebook, um, and you'll get a new flight. Well, I was supposed to leave that evening like at 6 o'clock back for home, um, and, of course, nothing was available at any time during the day. You call in, and granted it's an emergency, um, but basically the queue was about two and a half hours to get on, you know, to get someone live on the phone. So, lucky for me, my wife happened to be going uh, to New York that day from where we were on spring break. She had a, a girlfriend getting married, and um, she was at the airport and was able to book me and my boys on a, a flight about four and a half hours earlier than we were planning. But at least we got to get home. Um, you know, otherwise we would just been stuck on the phone. And now, granted, this was an unusual situation. They pulled some planes out of service. They canceled a lot of flights. So it's understand, understandable that there'd be a lot of people on, online um, and a lot of people trying to get on the phone. But my problem was it seemed like their business model had been changing, whereas, you know, even before this, it was, you know, I, I would call in with some questions and, you know, hey, 30, 45-minute hold time, which really wasn't how they became the great airline that they, be, they became. Um and it kind of got compounded when we went to the airport and we asked. We didn't know why the delay was uh, or whether, why we got canceled. And, you know, I had kind of a guy snap at me behind the counter. And, you know, presumably he'd been getting that question a lot and was having a bad day. But, <laughs> hey, I'm traveling with two little boys by myself. Like, yeah. I'm having it rough, too. And then uh, I asked something to another lady at the gate. And, she, you know, technically we were getting back home earlier than planned. She said, basically, I should be happy that I'm getting home earlier than planned. Never mind the fact that, um, you know, my vacation in spring break with my family and visiting relatives was interrupted. And my wife, to top it off, uh, landed in New York, went to the southwest counter and said, hey, I'm supposed to fly out of New York back home tomorrow. Um, my husband got bumped today. I just want to make sure if that's going to happen to me or not, or should I look for another arrangement? And they were told, absolutely, you will not get bumped. It's a totally different type of plane. And Sure enough, she got the same robocall the next morning, and uh, having learned from me, she decided just to drive straight from the airport. And again, this was five hours before she was planning on leaving. Um, and then they couldn't get a flight for her, so she had to get on an American flight. And all is well that ends well. And, you know, I'm pretty low maintenance. Emergencies happened. I'm not upset that uh, – and I wasn't upset that we got, uh, you know, kicked off our flights or our flights got canceled – um, I was just really upset about the customer service issue. And right. what I kind of talked about in my blog post is that, you know, my emotions were like, God, I just love to sue these guys. Like, I feel so <laughs> mad. Right. But, you know, you have to take out the emotion. And this is what a good lawyer will do for clients. you got to take the emotion out of a situation and focus on the facts. And the fact of the matter is they're allowed to cancel flights. They're allowed to offer you no compensation. And they're certainly uh, allowed to be rude. Right, and that's you know, and where and where's your damages? I mean, that's a, that's a thing. That absolutely right. So the reality is, and I, I put this in the post, uh, was I kind of had to, you know, just take it and and you know deal with it because there is no lawsuit, there is no class action like you're kind of mentioning earlier, and you know the only way to really quote unquote get back at them is just to choose not to fly them again, which you know there's not like there's a real better option for me in the way that I travel. Um, but interestingly enough, um, I called Southwest Customer Service and I filled out a complaint form online and I got no response. And then I sent the second one in with a link to my blog post. And I said, hey, this is the blog post I wrote on the Chicago Tribune. And boom, <laughs> right away, someone called me, totally apologized. They ended up crediting us for the flights. They gave us $450 in future travel vouchers, and they couldn't have been any nicer. And they talked to me about the customer service problems that they were having and how they're <laughs> hiring more people. And yeah. it was, you know, a very nice lady, very professional. And um, 
I wonder if I hadn't said, hey, I posted this on the Tribune's blog, if I would have gotten the same type of response. But, you know, I certainly did. I, I'll give it to them. They did handle it great. They made me feel better. Um, the best thing you can do as a defendant, and not that they would have been a defendant, but the best thing you can do is try to diffuse the situation. And you hear a lot of them talking about how doctors should just say, I'm sorry to potential medical malpractice victims and how that can really diffuse a situation. And I totally I buy into that. And, it, you know, oh, if you've got a, a, yeah. a company that, you know, that you do, is, you're doing business with and you have a problem, I mean, hey, say sorry. I had a situation where I, I just sold some tickets for the Cubs games on StubHub and um, we took out a zero, so we sold them for way less than what we planned on. And, you know, I didn't think that it was our year. I, you know, and I tried to call. I called them right away once we realized about the error and it was too late. And they were basically like, screw you. And it makes me, you know, I have season tickets and we sell a lot of the games online. And I just want to like pull every ticket I have just because I'm so furious at them. Whereas if the guy was just apologetic and try to come up with a solution for me or talk to me about how it happened, I, I would have felt so much better. But they were just so rude. Um, and all I could think in my head is like, oh, you're owned by Ticketmaster now. And this is a Ticketmaster company. And it, it drove me nuts. And um, so it was a really good lesson on, you know, being a plaintiff and not letting your emotions make your decisions and then being a defendant where you try to diffuse the situation. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and it's interesting too. A lot of people have said, um, you know, you're never supposed to, you know, admit fault because it's like an admission of liability and blah, blah, blah. But I think if we step away from law and jurisprudence for a second and just step into reality and people and dealing with people, I think that apologizing and making it right is the right thing to do. So we have, um, yeah, we're going to run over our time, but that's, we can go a little minute over here. Um, and, and, And as much as I hate to even give this man even more credit, you can't ignore Charlie Sheen. And um, again, someone who's been very successful in keeping himself um, in the you know in the limelight. Um, tell us about your little article here on uh, Charlie Sheen. I love it. it. You know, and I'm the same way. And honestly, like I don't, I hit the publish button on an article mentioning Charlie Sheen. I was like gritting my teeth because I just been in <laughs> right. Vegas, and everyone in Vegas is going winning, winning, you know, and quit, like acting like they're Charlie Sheen. But the point I was trying to make is. Um, that you know Charlie Sheen talks about winning, but if you're looking for a lawyer and you want to know what their win-loss record is, um, you can't find it because there's no accurate way to keep track of that. Because right. most cases get settled. If it's a criminal case, often you'll find that charges get you know dropped or lowered. And what a win is to me might be a loss to you, might be a tie to someone else. And I think the best example is someone who's criminally charged. Um, you know, I, I've had situations where people have called me. One stands out in my head where uh, their, this guy's brother was being offered 12 years in jail for a, a big drug bust, and uh, they just did not want him to do 12 years in jail. And I hooked him up with a really well-connected former Cook County prosecutor, and the guy went in, and he knew the current prosecutor because he used to supervise them. And, you know, he, he did a lot of hard work, but eventually got them to agree to take two years. So this guy's pleading guilty, going to jail for two years, and the family was literally crying. They were so happy. They were hugging the attorney. They sent him gifts, called him the greatest thing ever, emailed me and told me how wonderful my service was. And the guy's going to jail, and he pled guilty. Now, pleading guilty is a loss, but to them it was a win. And yeah. you know, you just kind of have to realize that there's no way to measure that independently to actually say, well, this is a good lawyer because he wins, and this is a good lawyer because he loses. Um, you really have to get dig deeper to you know, what are your goals are they going to work to meet your goals? And it's often a guessing game. And unfortunately, sometimes you don't find out that they won't work for your goals until it's too late. Yeah, it's a difficult thing. And um, you know, again, when I tell people, if you're looking for a lawyer, look for someone that you know that you know, someone you like, and someone you can trust, and someone you think is gonna, you know, if. If they're giving you a song and dance, it's likely that they're giving everybody else a song and dance, which probably means they're not emotionally invested into the matter. And uh, you know, yours is just another. And again, if it's a simple, uh, you know, thing like a traffic ticket and going to field court, um, you know, you don't, you know, they're all kind of the same. Um, right. But, you know, if it's a, a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger deal, um, you know, you you want to go to. I always tell people find a lawyer who's going to tell you that they're going to do their best. Um, you know that you know, or if they if you say you're going to results, deliver results. Don't make promises you can't keep. Under promise and over deliver. Um, you know, it's a practice of law. No one has the keys to um, you know assured results. 
um, at any time. And if those people are telling you that, they're lying to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm a big believer when you first meet with an attorney, um, you know, talk about what your goals are, lay them out on the table, have them tell you what goals of yours are realistic and what aren't, and then talk about the game plan to reach those goals. Because if during the course of their representation they're doing something different than what they initially said they would do, you can call them out on it. Whereas if you don't talk about what you want to get out of this and how you want to be approached and they don't, you don't have the lawyer tell you what they're going to do, you can't really hold them accountable. And so many people are afraid to speak up. And some of these are literally life and death situations because if you go to jail for 15 years, your life is basically over. You know, you've got to speak up. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, well, anyways, it's, thank you for the article on Charlie Sheen. As much as I I, say, I thought to myself, I'm like, Michael, why are you giving more, you know, come on, let's let Charlie Sheen go away. But, you know, the man has uh, what he has, tiger blood and whatnot. So, you know, I guess anyone with that audacity, I deserve some, some seconds in the limelight, right? Hopefully not too many more. <laughs> Michael, thank you for your valuable time today and being on the show. I always appreciate your uh um, your contributions. I want to again tell you a happy 10th anniversary. Uh, give us again some contact information and how you can help people out there. Great. The easiest way to reach me is findgreatlawyers, all one word, dot com. Uh, or I'll give you a toll free number for me is 800 517 1614. And all I promise people is that I'll talk to you for free no matter what your situation is, as long as it's Illinois related. I'll give you honest advice, and if I can point you in the right direction, I will. And if I can't, I won't, and there's never a charge. All right. Well, hey, I, I can't knock that. Um, all right, so thanks again for your time, and we'll talk to you next month. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right. And we also want to take a moment to thank all of our commercial sponsors out there. First, Nancy K. Ducharme of the Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Second, Steve Fretson of Sales Results Incorporated. Third, Jim Thompson of Midwest Consulting Group and the Get Clients Now program. And fourth, credit damage expert George Finder. Again, for our archive shows, please visit the Law Publicist Communication main website at www.alrpra.com. Uh, there's a Law Talk Radio tab on there that you can go and find all of our archive uh, as well as blog content, other uh, publications and all sorts of uh, nice uh, valuable content. So again by way of disclaimer, this is a general information program and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Results may vary based on your facts and location. Communication with attorneys on this show does not give rise to an attorney-client relationship and our programming is neutral and objective. Your counterpoints to views expressed on our shows are always welcomed. Law Talk Radio is produced by Law Publicist Communications, an ALRPRA incorporated agency, and Law Talk Radio does not necessarily endorse all the opinions expressed by our guests. Finally, all callers remain confidential and all rights to this broadcast are reserved. Here at Law Talk Radio, our episodes are programmed to bring our attorney and non-attorney audiences tips, tools, and news that they can use to be better informed practitioners and consumers of legal services. And with our guests and listeners located worldwide, we appreciate the opportunity to use this socially networked program to bring people together and share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine for ALRPRA Incorporated and Law Publicist Communications, and we thank you for your time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.